Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pamela Riccia, and this is episode number 264 of the podcast. It's the 10th of February, 2021, as I record this intro. And this week, I have a wonderful conversation with Julia Tryman. As a mom of two young children, Julia shares how her understanding of parenting and learning has changed through observation and being present with them. We talk about the incredible depth of her children's play and how powerful it is that they can choose what they spend their time doing. Julia also dives into her ongoing deschooling process and what led her to start posting photos of her children's snack plates on Instagram. It was such a fun conversation, and I'm excited to share it with you. As a personal update, I feel like I'm starting to emerge from a quiet, contemplative season. I feel like it started late last fall, and honestly, it's been a bit hard to be patient with myself. I've been steeping in so many thoughts and questions, soaking in lots of new information through different mediums, peeling back layers, but it seems like more and more big picture connections are finally solidifying, and I'm so excited about the path forward I now see unfolding for the podcast, which I'll talk more about next week, the Patreon group, where there's going to be more things I'm going to start sharing there, my newsletter, which has been very quiet lately, but will be coming back to life, and the Living Joyfully Network community. Anna and I recently dove deep into more clearly defining our vision for the community, which I updated on my website this week. It's been hard, but ultimately very valuable work. Now I'm starting to feel that shift from being where I've been sitting for a few months into doing, and it feels energizing. And I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patron, Dania. Hi, Dania. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support helps pay for the hosting and the transcription, as well as my time spent creating new episodes each week. It's instrumental in keeping the growing podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now let's dive into my conversation with Julia. Welcome. I'm Pamela Riccia from livingjoyfully.ca and today I'm here with Julia Tryman. Hi, Julia. Hi, Pam. Now we have gotten to know each other over the last few months on the network and I'm so excited to learn more about your unschooling journey and experiences. To get us started, can you share with us a bit about you and your family and what is everybody into right now? Definitely. So we are a family of four humans and two cats. Um, It's myself and my husband, Dan, and we're basically like twins. We're both 38. Um, And our our son, Cody, is five and a half. And our daughter, Nora, is three. And then we have two cats, Pupusa and Manatee. Um, (laughs) And Dan and I met um, quite a few years ago now in college at the University of Maryland. Um, And our big 
moment of this past year in 2010, we celebrated our 10th wedding anniversary. So in a, a year that was otherwise really, really tough, we had just such a beautiful family day uh, celebrating that time and that special occasion. Um, yeah, so I think I'll probably start with Dan. Um, so he and I met on a Habitat for Humanity um, spring break trip in college. So we wouldn't have met otherwise because our interests were very different. Um, so we both have always loved being outside and working with our hands, um, but he even more than me. Um, now he's really into cooking, um, lots of plant-based meals, and he's kind of like exploring a diet or two to see what feels good for him. Um, one interesting thing to note is he and I are both vegetarian, but our kids are not actually the kids, you know, when they are interested in meat, they will find it and eat it or we'll find it for them. Um, back to Dan, he's a very outdoorsy guy. Um, he loves hiking and kayaking and camping, exploring. Um, he's in the past worked in environmental education. And I think that will be coming back again in his future, um, He also loves very chubby animals like manatees, uh, which is why the cat is named manatee and really chubby groundhogs, any like creature that's really chubby and fuzzy. Um, And he just loves spending time with the kids. And it's neat because they, the kids and Dan kind of have their special things they do together. They tend to be very physical and engaged and it's really fun to sort of be a fly on the wall for that. Um, So Cody he is a person with very strong and focused interests. And I didn't necessarily know that before I had a second child and noticed like, wow, there's, there is such a difference in the way that they explore their interests. Um, And it's neat to see already. I mean, he's only five and a half, but how I can already see these threads and themes kind of emerging in new ways now that I saw a couple of years ago. Um, So what I would say about Cody is that 2020 was the year that he really kind of came into his own as a gamer. So even just, you know, a year ago in early 2020, he would casually play games, but now he is just, that is his main focus and his main way of learning and being and playing. Um, So for now, his big games, the thing that he's really into is Roblox. Um, so he and I will play together as much as we possibly can. Um, and he likes games like tycoons and simulators and games related to these things called SCPs, which are really kind of odd and unusual. And they're these scary creatures that in, in the games, you can either role play as the creature or try to contain them and like protect the world from these creatures. And that's one of those threads, um, when he was around three, he got really fascinated with ghosts and witches and zombies and anything Halloweeny and kind of dark skeletons. And so it's really fascinating to see how that's evolved from, from that interest into something new and maybe even a little scarier. <laughs> Um, He also loves Minecraft and he and I and Dan also will play in our family realm together a lot. Um, But he also spends a lot of time watching YouTubers play through and do build battles and all sorts of different things. And what I've noticed is it's so amazing to then play with him and he will just be spouting this knowledge and showing all of these amazing things that it's hard to even imagine how he's gathered all this information, but watching those expert level players, it has to be where he's getting it all from. 
Um, he also loves animals. And right now his favorites are sloths and llamas. Um, he's always, not always, but for quite some time now, also been very interested in money. So acquiring it, talking about it, spending it. Um, and that's that's been also a theme since he was around three. Um, and then the last thing I'll say about Cody it isn't an interest per se, but he's just a very musical person. So he is just like amazingly sensitive to sound and certain types of music. Um, and I find for now, it's appeared in the past in ways like he was really into drums and drumming for a while and then really into the electric guitar and rock music. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, it's more that it just, he's he'll pick up on the, the songs or the scores in the games that he's playing, or he'll find a favorite song and just dance to it the same way every time. So it's really, really fun to see that, that that same thread or theme kind of flowing for him in different ways. And then Nora, um, I would call her a maker. She's a very creative and very hands-on person. She loves all of it, painting, drawing, cutting with scissors, which she's been doing since about 18 months. She'll just cut and just make these amazing things, stickers, clay, watercolor, glitter glue, <laughs> any kind of material. Um, She loves babies and one of her favorite things to do is either take care of baby dolls or role play as a baby and will be, you know, the parent and she's the baby and she'll make these baby lists. You know, she'll tell me exactly what the babies are going to do. And so we say one playtime, two nap time, and we have to run through the list with her as the baby. So that's a lot of fun. (laughs) That interest too recently has evolved into She's really into families right now. So she'll draw or paint our family again and again and again. She likes um, shows like Daniel Tiger and Bluey that are kind of about the family and and what the family is doing. But the funniest and like just sweetest part of her family interest right now is that she will make a family out of anything any material. So uh, screwdrivers, like we were organizing the toolbox the other day and she found screwdrivers of different lengths and they were a family. And then we role played the family Uh, markers, uh, little animal figures, pine cones, anything, any material that we're interacting with becomes a family play. Um, And then one of her interesting threads too has been, She's been, I'd say maybe since she was one and a half to two, really interested in being a doctor. So it started with like doctor role play, like we would be the patient and she would be the doctor or vice versa. But now it's kind of evolved into doctoring her stuffed animals or her dolls or her figures, but it still emerges a lot. And she, for a long time, has loved the show Doc McStuffins, which is about a little girl who takes care of, who helps her toys, um, you know, doctors her toys. Um, and she also likes apps related to that. Like there's one called Toka Pets where she you, you go through a sequence of what's wrong with the animal and you have to kind of sort it out and figure out how to help them feel better. And then her, the last thing I would be remiss not to mention that she loves playgrounds, scooter rides, walking along our creek, any kind of water or sensory play. And she also loves, we have these new hammock swings and she is loving just swinging in it. And she's starting to get really creative physically with how she's using it, which is so fun. So that's Nora. And for me, I think my strongest current interest by far is in being with my kids as much as possible. Um, And just diving into all of those interests with them. It just lights me up. I love it. 
Um, and I love finding things I think they'll like, like books or DVDs or new shows or materials or some sort of surprise, anything. Um, and I also find that I am learning so much from them and with them every day. Um, and the biggest lesson that I'm still learning is about being present in the moment. And they are the best teachers of that. Um, and so, uh, but then I'm exploring that interest through lots of audiobooks and sort of podcasts about meditation and mindfulness. And it's definitely a practice and something I'm still cultivating and thinking about a lot. Um, and like Nora, I'm also a maker. So I really love thread-based crafts like cross-stitch. And I've recently started embroidery. Um, but I also love making handmade cards, just like taking found materials and kind of like creating uh, paper stuff. And I like yoga a lot when I have the time for it and hiking and exploring outside. Um, and then lastly, I love cities, um, walking in cities, but most especially our current city of Frederick, Maryland is just like my favorite place in the world. And I have a lot of fun just walking around our city and getting to know it better because we're still pretty new to the area. So that's it. Oh, oh my goodness, Julia. That's <laughs> you guys in a nutshell, right? <laughs> But, oh my gosh, you know, I, I love how it ties together, like your, your interest and, and your pursuit of presence, how that ties into how you've observed your kids and your husband, right? It's like, and seeing those threads and the way you've described, like seeing how different interests have popped up in different ways over time and then seeing how, cause when you get to that deeper thread, right? You can, you can appreciate, you can appreciate the, the new view or the new lens they're bringing it. You can, they, I can just imagine how seen they feel by you. And also you talked about being able to bring new things into their world. When you deeply understand them that way, the things that you bring in are often just so appreciated by them. I imagine like there's no judgment there and whether they like it or judgment of you um, if, if they're not interested or whatever. And, and in fact, I remember it's just so fun when they're not interested in something because then you're like, ooh, I have more to learn. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, oh, my gosh, I just, I love, the, there was just so much love and insight that bubbled up um, at, through, through what you shared about each of them. So that was really fascinating to me. So interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I just want to go back like the, the scary stuff, like noticing how that's bubbling up in different ways. Right. And the family, how that's bubbling up for Nora. It's just so fascinating kids. And like you said, kids are so interesting. Like so often conventionally it's like, Oh my gosh, I have to hang out with kids. They're so boring. When you are actually, they are not boring. They are like great fun to hang around with. Aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> so much so I love that I love that that really came through thank you <laughs> so I'm curious to know how did you come across and discover unschooling and kind of what has your family's journey to unschooling look like so 
we, I started off my journey before we even became parents, really interested in the idea of attachment parenting. Mm -hmm. And I do think that some of that stemmed from my parents incorporating some attachment parenting principles when I was a baby and a child. Mm -hmm. So it was sort of the way that I knew. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we, we definitely practiced what you would call attachment parenting when Cody was really small and Nora as well. But then I became really interested in Montessori when Cody was, I don't know, probably 12 to 18 months or so. And what that meant for me at the time wasn't school per se, but it was reading and incorporating these different Montessori principles, if you will, into the home environment. Um, some of which I, I would certainly let go of now, but others of which there's, there's one thing I remember from that time, which was some of her writing or some of what I was reading wasn't necessarily the original text, yeah. but about concentration and allowing the child to fully finish what they were doing before and trying so much to be quiet and to not talk over, even if they're in the middle of something rather than narrating or talking, like just being still and being quiet and letting them finish what they were doing. So that interest, Cody and I explored that quite a bit when he was very small, which then led me to be curious about, well, what would it look like? Like, would do we want him to go to a Montessori school? So it was right around, it would have been January of 2017 that I toured a Montessori school in our area at the time. And it was a really interesting experience for me because it wasn't what I, I, it just, it did not feel right to me at that time. And this was not a a primary school. This was like a a very small children place. Um, (laughs) I don't know, better way to say that, but um, (laughs) I just remember sitting in that room and how it works is the observer does not interact with the kids. They literally just sit and watch. Um, and I just had this feeling like this wasn't the place or the experience that that I had maybe envisioned in my mind. Mm-hmm. So I remember coming home from that and thinking, okay, you know, this Montessori idea doesn't seem like the right direction. And Cody was so small, he wasn't even two. So it wasn't necessarily that we were putting him in a school then. But I, I kind of took that idea of the Montessori school all the way through. And it kind of felt like a dead end. So right around that same time, I, I think I, I was on a, some sort of listserv, like a natural parenting listserv. And I, I, I came across this idea of unschooling and was curious because now this idea that I had about Montessori didn't seem like it was the right one for our family. And that was when I discovered your podcast, this podcast. And um, I dove in deep. There's someone actually on the network who was talking about her experience with your podcast. And she said, I listened to it like it was my job. And I said, yes, exactly. That's what it was like for me that year of 20. It was basically the whole year of 2017 that I, your podcast, different face group, Facebook groups, different websites, books. Um, I just dove headlong into this what to me was a new idea of unschooling and how that then tied so beautifully back into a lot of those ideas from my beginnings in attachment parenting, not all of them, but a lot of them. Um, So I sort of over that year, that was the year Nora was born. And I, I slowly brought these ideas to Dan, like kind of little, little drips and drops along the way. 
And we never had a big decision moment. It wasn't like we took the kids out of school or sat down as a family and made a big decision. It just sort of happened very, very slowly over that year. Um, And as we made life decisions the next year or two after that, you know, where were we going to move? How are we going to do things? Um, And one of the things that I considered when we were moving is sort of the flexibility of the state that we were looking at. We were sort of debating between three states. Um, And this will be the first year, actually, that we are officially reporting as homeschoolers in our county. And um, Maryland actually has this great um, umbrella program so that we're, we're able to actually report directly to them and not through the county. So it, I think it was a good choice. <laughs> it feels like it was. So we'll see. But yeah, that's how we found it. But it, I think the fact that it wasn't a big, grand decision was good. But then there are also some moments that Dan and I are, you know, working out together now when it's, it makes me think, gosh, there could have been value in having it be a big, you know, collaborative decision. So it's, it's just an interesting path to then look back on and think like, there are times now when I think, how did we get here? <laughs> oh, no, that is wonderful. I, I love, that's why I love hearing everybody's stories, right? Because it is so different. And, and we can always look back and and it's cool to look back and wonder and because that is just more information that brings us forward that we can bring in to the next thing that that comes up um but it's also helpful i think not to judge ourselves for the path we took right and think oh gee if i had done this different life would be perfect now. You know, it's always, we look to the past so that life would be perfect now, right? And that is something we definitely explore on our unschooling journey that, you know, the the whole idea of perfect. And for me anyway, I learned so much of that through watching my kids, right? How they do things and things go wrong or they don't work out and it's not a big deal. And then I realized how much of it's just ingrained in me that things should be perfect, that things should be easy, that I'm not done yet. I still have work to do because my goal is for things to be easy and perfect, right? So it, it is so fascinating to, to hear different people's journey there. I love how you, you talked about Montessori because, I mean, that was me too. Um, and I think it's it's a lot of people because the idea of diving in when it's a new idea and learning all you can about it, I think that's awesome because that's just more information that we can sort through and see what resonates with us. Like the Montessori ideas were resonating with you. They were working well in your life. Like it was working well in your relationship. I love the idea of observing rather than jumping in, because we really, truly don't know what's going on in their head. We don't know which piece is connecting for them. But it's so curious to infer that through the choices they make when we're observing. So it's not about leaving them alone to do their thing, you know, as much as possible, as you said, being there to observe and see helps us understand better, which helps us connect with them better when we're having conversations about the thing, we don't mention this random thing that is unreal, that is about the topic or the, you know, the area that they're curious about, but it was nothing related to the where, where they were taking it. And also when we're there, we're there to help them in the moment. If something comes up and they want to ask a question 
or they want another set of hands. Oh, can you hold this for me? I'm trying to do this. Like we're there to engage with them versus feeling stuck in that observer role. You know, it's, it's a really cool, but important nuance. (laughs) It's a dance that we do with them throughout the, throughout our time with them. So it's beautiful. I I love the way you brought that up. (laughs) I, I, the other piece that I loved about the, the whole journey is just how you guys, you, you, you mentioned you and your husband, you know, you, you talked about the moments, right? You were saying instead of a big decision, it was just, part of our moments and seeing what was working for us in those moments and those considerations like you know if we're not going to do school you know how easy is that going to be in the various states right like for me that's why I emphasize playing with ideas a lot and the idea that it's just it's a step it's a baby step right because when you take the next step and and then it doesn't feel right, you can take another step. It's not a be all end all. This is our decision. And now we must live with this decision for the next 20 years. (laughs) You know what I mean? It is so helpful to just be in the moment and bring what we know and what we're thinking about and bring that with us and make the best choice we can. Now, I know you don't want to move again in this moment. I learned to never say never because I thought we were in our forever, let's raise our kids here, home and place. But then all of a sudden, it didn't feel comfortable anymore, right? So uh, that is one thing I've learned over time is to never say never because I don't know what's going to come in, what changes are going to happen right? How other people are going to change. Like when you've got a family, there's lots of people who may change their perspective, their needs may change, you know, so there's an uncomfortableness to, yeah, okay, you know, we're here for the next 20 years, I can relax, I don't have to think about that anymore, (laughs) you know, so there, there is at hand, but the being curious and, and being okay with this is how it is right now, and it feels really good. And I still don't have to think about it right now, Mm -hmm. right? To realize that you don't need to decide your whole life from now, but that you can be fully in it. And it ties back to your mindfulness too, and your presence and all those pieces. I love how it all weaves together. (laughs) So with younger kids, you you talked uh, quite a bit about um, them both and how their interests are weaving through. So I would love to hear maybe if you've got a little bit more stories that you can share about how you're seeing learning unfolding, because that is a big paradigm shift for a lot of people, right? I mean, it was for me. Um, because when we grow up with school, we are so used to the idea that kids need to be taught things, right? And that there's a certain set of information that they need to be taught. So to open up and, and other things that they're learning aren't as valuable if it's not like in the curriculum. There's a, there's a value to the different things that they're learning. Anyway, so that paradigm shift where you're just playing around with, oh, 
what is the value? Like all the other things that they're learning, learning about themselves, what they like, what they don't like. Ooh, that is super valuable learning, but that takes time to look at, right? And the whole timetable of a curriculum and the whole, they need to be taught because kids don't like to learn. (laughs) There are just so many questions that bubble up when you're exploring this new way of learning, isn't there? Mm -hmm. So this question was actually really neat for me. Because it gave me a chance to reflect on how, in many ways, I have kind of stopped thinking about or looking for the learning. Because I do remember when Cody was three and Nora was one, and we were first testing all these ideas out. I can even look back in my notebooks, you know, where I had written down, oh, Cody did this with numbers, or oh, you know, we were playing with shapes, or whatever it might have been at that time for those ages. And I realized, gosh, it's such a good question, but I'm not thinking about the learning in that way anymore. Um, So that was really fun. I was such a (laughs) thing. Um, And I think part of that, so two things related to that is like so many families, we've had nearly a year now of being almost exclusively at home together. The four of us, Dan actually already worked from home before COVID. Um, And I think having that focus sort of, I I won't say insular because we are, very connected to the world, but having that physical sort of continuity of us all being together and all being here. I I think that has to be part of why I have maybe let go of of old ideas about what learning is or what it should look like. Um, And then I also wanted to just say too, that I think being part of the Living Joyfully Network has been a huge part of that as well. Just being connected with all of these people all over the world and watching and listening and reading about what they're doing and, and just forgetting all these old ideas about learning. Um, but the other thing I wanted to say though, is I notice now because I'm not thinking about their learning. So now what I'm noticing is what I'm learning with them and from them rather than the other way around. And I thought that one really good example would be Roblox because I've observed very, not a lot, but to some degree that it's something that a lot of parents, mainstream or homeschooling or even unschooling parents can be very afraid of or very cautious about and nervous around. Um, But because I'm playing with him so much, playing with Cody, that is, we have gotten Nora to play once or twice, but she's she's not really into Roblox just yet. Um, It's more of Cody's thing at the moment. So I had written, uh, I don't know, about a month or two ago, because there was this exchange in an online group that I was in about the dangers of Roblox and, you know, blocking your kids and keeping them away. I just, for fun, for myself, just wrote down, like, what are all the things we're learning from Roblox just for fun? Um, So just a couple examples. One for me is the different uses of different kinds of weapons. In my whole life, I had never really fully understood the difference between like a close range, like fighting with your fists or with swords, as opposed to like guns or nuclear weapons, like longer range and just learning how that works as a, as a combatant, as a player is such so rich. It's so interesting. And it's new for me. Um, And then another would just be the physics of explosions. And I don't mean to say that Cody and I play, you know, a destruction game and then we sit down and have a chat about physics, but more so that we're actually, or I, and he, I suppose, we're actually learning, you know, when we use this type of explosive and we're trying to destroy this particular thing, this is what it takes. And this is how it gets destroyed and how it works. And 
um, that's just been interesting for me. I actually never took a class in physics in my life. And so it's, it's just interesting to see him inferring things and, and us having these conversations about it um, all within the context of this game. And then another a really popular game on Roblox is called Natural Disaster Survival. And there's all these different disasters. You don't know what's going to come. And so you have to sort of strategize as a person, as a little person to figure out how am I going to, what am I going to do when there's acid rain or an earthquake or a flood? You know, you get high if there's a flood. So that's been really fun. And then one last thing I'll say is related to more related to Minecraft. Um, And with Minecraft, oh my gosh, I can't, we could spend a whole hour talking just about (laughs) Minecraft, but but building and constructing and designing and testing things. And one quick little story I wanted to share around that is that there has, there have been moments, one in particular, I remember when Cody and I in a very relaxed moment, he was talking me through a build. So he had observed something on YouTube and then was trying to execute what that YouTuber had done himself. But in this conversation, he was telling me about what he did how well he did and the parts of it that he felt he could have done differently or better. And he was telling me completely unprompted about what he would do when he got back to this project and how he was going to work on it and test something new to make it better. And I remember just sitting there with him thinking, this is amazing, you know, like that he is totally into this game. It's his passion. It's his interest, but he's going through these, what I would call very adult ways of thinking and processing how he is, for lack of a better word, performing with the tools that he's chosen to use. So that's been really, really neat. And I've then from him just been learning about, because for me, for many years, that sort of um, rubric or that way of, um, you know, judging one's performance has been externally imposed. And I've, I've learned over many, many years in school how to respond to that and how to kind of work with that. So it's just fascinating to learn from him how, you know, given the tools and the time that he has, that he has this innate desire to like do it better and work harder on it. So it's just really interesting. And then the last thing I wanted to note was more related to Nora (laughs) and her sort of art and creativity. I've just learned so much about like the creative process and flow. And she truly, she will take my hand and guide me through her day. There is never a moment when I am like, well, I mean, I will set up an activity for her if she asks me to, but there's never a moment when I'm like, okay, now let's do X. Um, And so part of that has also been enabling her vision of how she wants to use materials, which isn't always my vision of how, you know, like how I would have in mind. So um, one little story about that is when she first started playing with glitter glue, that we, we got her a huge thing with all these tubes. She took, and I want to say this was maybe before she was very verbal either. She took the top off of each glitter glue, glued around the bottom and stuck them each top onto the paper. And so in my mind, I'm like, oh gosh, you know, it's going to be a mess. And I'm going to have to unstick all that. But I just, you know, let it go. And being able to just observe, she was basically making a sculpture out of the tops of the glitter glue. And so all sorts of examples like that. Um, She'll use a half a bottle of bath soap, you know, like cleaning each animal, cleaning herself, like painting with bath soap and lots and lots of tape. Um, Painter's tape we've gotten basically 
economy packs of painter's tape for her to do her. And currently she's more into scotch tape. So she'll make designs. The other day there were some spots on the wall and she was taking individual pieces of tape and putting them on each spot. It's just so fascinating when I let go of my idea of these materials and saving them and not wasting them and how they should be used. It's so neat to see and then learn from her about the different ways that one can make and create and be in that way. So that's been a lot of fun. Oh, and I was going to say, my last thing was just to say, when they do display what one would consider to be more curricular knowledge based on these eight important subjects, I'm often surprised and like tickled, like, oh, that's so interesting. And I'll, I'll sometimes, not to make a point of it, but I'll sometimes casually ask, oh, you know, where did, where did that come from? And they don't always, you know, they certainly don't always know either. Um, so that's been really fun to just, it's as, it's as though the learning comes to me and not the other way around. So that's been really, really fun to, to go through that kind of transformation. Wow. I love those stories so much, Julia. Like, oh, I, there were so many in there, but I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> I mean, um, Nora's piece about the, the maker side, right? Because we don't know what they're envisioning, right? And she's exploring and figuring out so much she's answering the questions in her head right you know I'm this is what I'm trying to create how is it going to work you know with all those different materials so I love that piece and when we give them that space to do that you like you said you learn so much about them at first it's like what the heck (laughs) right but then after you can see whether it's it's the pattern, and and maybe not even in that moment, maybe over time, like the family piece you were talking about with Nora, right? Um, the space, you would not have seen that if you didn't give her, she didn't have the space to play with the screwdrivers, to play with the pine cones, to play with all the different materials mm-hmm. in the way that, she, with what she's exploring, right? So that was super fascinating. And the piece about how they can not often or whatever, who cares about the frequency, but explain what they're learning, right? Because your stories with Cody just brilliantly show how learning is just absorbed through the act of doing, right? The things that they're interested in, there's just so much learning that's absorbed and there is little value in being able to name it. You know what I mean? The the learning is what's valuable, yet the learning just comes, like you said, you're not looking for that anymore. It comes because you've seen it so often when they're pursuing their interests and doing the things they want to do. The learning, as they say, just happens, right? It's just absorbed through the exploration. And then the other piece that was so brilliant is that when we don't have that external judgment, on ourselves, right? Of of the things that we're doing and how we could do it better, etc. As human beings, when we have full agency and control, mm-hmm. so often we're thinking about how we might be able to do it better next time, right? Because this is something we're wanting to do. We are just so used to learning not being a choice 
the things that we do, the things that children do. Um, I mean, and with adults with work, I mean, that's a whole other conversation, but it's the same idea. Like we're training them as kids into this more conventional adult world where you don't have choice. You do what you're told to do. And then in your free time, (laughs) you can do your own things. But with that agency, you really do want to do your best and you want to learn more and you want to get better. And it is so fascinating to see that these are more human traits because we just see them spontaneously in our kids, right? And it's just so fascinating when they're free to do the things they want to do, how, I was going to say how seriously they take it, but you know, it's for lack of a better term, but they throw themselves into the things that they're really interested in, don't they? Yeah, how important it is to them. Yeah, yeah. it's just brilliant yeah. to see them. In a- and then we're back to that observer role, right? Because how do we see unschooling working? How do we see that learning unfolds? How do we see that, you know what, eventually we don't really need to look for the learning per se. We just be with them in their interests and help them pursue them and bring them the materials, you know, be there with them to have the conversations, to help them explore. When we're there, we see all those things. We see unschooling in action, and that helps us build trust in unschooling, right? And trust in our kids and and trust in the lifestyle. And then you can get to that place where, oh, you know, I can release that hold on looking for learning, Because it's not all about just replacing school, right? It's, it is so much bigger and deeper and richer and all the things, right? Definitely. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, So you said that you and Dan, you know, just eased your way in. And I think that, I mean, that is great when, when you can do um, a lot of this de-schooling really, before, even before having kids, right? Or when, when your kids are very young, you know, whenever it pipes up um, and becomes an interest that you want to dive into, right? So I'm just curious what um, aspect of your de-schooling journey was more challenging for you? I thought maybe you could share a little bit about how you worked your way through that. Definitely. I, I think for me, so far, because to be fair, my kids are very young and we haven't hit those milestones yet that, you know, there is plenty more de-schooling to come. Yes. <laughs> I am nowhere, nowhere near de-schooled, not that that exists. Yeah. Um, but I think for me to this point, my challenge related to de-schooling has been mostly related to the parenting side and my sort of, whatever you want to call it, my programmed or whatever's in me that is this desire to control. Um, and I think it was really interesting reflecting on this question. I think that I had ideas about what it was going to be like to be a parent. And I think if I'm being totally honest, and I'm sure many parents could laugh at this, I think I imagined that my kids would do what I wanted them to do. Um, and so de-schooling has been a process of peeling back those layers and letting go of some of that ego, um, and discovering more deeply, like, what is it that I thought that being a parent and being in relationship with my children would be? And then practicing loving and embracing and supporting what is with the actual kids that I have in front of me. 
Um, so I have a couple really quick just examples. One, one that's that's going way back many several years ago is I took Cody to baby yoga. And all, it seemed to me like all the other little babies were just cooing and chilling out on their mats while their moms gracefully went through their yoga poses. Cody was not having that. He did not want to be on the mat. He did not want to be in that place, um, which reflecting on it may have also been because we were attachment parenting, because I barely ever <laughs> put him down. So, you know, there are other reasons that may have been true. But I think then for me, letting go of, I'm going to take the baby to yoga and he's going to lie there quietly on the mat. That wasn't happening with this particular baby. Um, another really, really sweet moment with Cody was when he was, uh, you know, less than two, my vision of taking a walk with him was, you know, we're going to go for a walk around the block and we're going to see things and see birds and do this. Cody's vision on this particular walk that I'm remembering was 18 minutes on one sidewalk tile watching a worm slowly cross the sidewalk tile. Um, so yeah, just letting go of these ideas and my, my adult or my Julia way of thinking of what are, what does it mean to take a walk and totally just, you know, re deconstructing, reconstructing that idea. Um, and another example would much more recent would be Cody's interest in money letting go of my vision, just like with Nora and her materials, letting go of my vision of how he should or shouldn't spend and whether he should save and whether he's already spent too much recently. So what I'm doing with him now is, you know, we trying to find and provide to him as much money as I can so that he can then make the decisions about how he wants to spend it and when and how much. It's been fascinating too, to see he can be very discerning, you know, about how he wants to spend it. And he can also spend it all in a day, which is true of any person. Um, But I think all of that just, just is to say, taking their interests seriously, even when it's maybe not something that I value. And all of that, for me, de-schooling has been about slowing down, which I wrote in all caps, slowing down, which is something I've made progress in, but I still have so much more work to do. But the idea of like the art of pausing, um, so many of the things that I do regret or that I, I have moments when I look back and think, oh, darn, I wish I hadn't done it that way almost inevitably have to do with not pausing or, or trying to rush us through something or get us somewhere quickly or do it my way. And so de-schooling for me has been a process and is an ongoing process of slowing down and finding space for that pause and finding space for the kids to be so much more of what they already are and then in connection with with me and who I am and how I work in the world and having these honest conversations about my energy and my ability to support various activities. Um, yeah, so I think the the biggest thing for me then is how that moves us or has been moving us into this much more collaborative and consensual flow, which then of course makes it a much better life for us as with us, with our, with Dan, with our neighbors, you know, in our city and and all of that stuff. So, but definitely, as I mentioned, always an ongoing (laughs) process of (laughs) de-schooling. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yes, it will, there will forever be pockets of de-schooling that come up, right? As, as different life circumstances come up. 
as they get older, you know, new things will come up that you just haven't really had to think about before now. So yeah, to not see that as failure when things bubble up and you need to ask yourself questions again and work through that. Thank you very much for sharing how you were thinking those things through because yeah, that parenting shift, that paradigm shift from seeing like parents and children kind of as almost like a power, even, even through attachment parenting, you can still be seeing, you know, I'm the parent and they're the child and I know better right? In, in the smaller choices, even when my choice is to attachment parent, there's still that level of, yeah, yeah, their signals are important and I'm choosing to value them. But there is a whole new layer. Like that's how we talk about there's like always another layer to peel back, always another layer to peel back, right? So that when you start to see them as these whole people, right? And consider that in relationship, what they're needing and thinking and wanting to do is as valuable as what we want to. So I loved your point of, of, you know, us also being ourselves in that moment, right? So it's not about giving them a whole bunch of power and now we're down here, right? It truly is about we're all equal human beings and all our needs um, are important are valuable at least and to find the way and you mentioned consent which is a beautiful lens to look at that through um, for all of our needs to weave together and then also as as adults as you said like right from the beginning wanting to dive in this being an interest this being my job for the next while is learning so much about that so often you know if I was feeling tired I was also able to choose to support them in the moment you know, I was just about to go to bed. You really want to share this video. You know what? I would like to see. But taking that moment to realize it's a choice, not like, oh, my God, yes, of course, I'm unschooling, so I need to go watch their video. No, because that that isn't a real choice. You don't feel like you're making a choice in the moment. But if you take that five seconds to process it through, you can show up with such a different energy. You will pick up Like there's not a lot of value in you going to watch that if you're not even paying attention. You're just like looking at your watch waiting till you can go back to bed, right? There is just so much when we're all equal, equally considered, right? And we try to find a way through it. Um, And understanding each each person's level. Like if I know it's going to really upset my child, I'm going to do my best to try and create an environment where he's not going to be upset, right? I'm trying to create this environment and I'm doing it for myself as much as possible, but we are, we are different ages. It's not like kids are little adults. No, kids are kids. And as we were saying earlier, kids are awesome and they're really fun to hang out with, right? And we learn so much when we're present with them, but the the de-schooling piece, the paradigm shift to get to that point where we're comfortable fully considering their needs as being as important as our own. It can be really hard. We feel like we're giving up so much, but we discovered, Julia, right, that we actually get so much out of it. We're not actually giving up anything. We actually gain. I mean, I felt like this. 
I gained so much more by being in relationship with them this way. My life was just so much richer. Have you found that? Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, which we can see right in your stories. That's beautiful. (laughs) Okay, so you um, finished your PhD a year or so ago. So I would love to hear about that journey and how that wove together in your unschooling lives. Yes, and it has certainly been taken as a bit ironic <laughs> to people who know me that I was in school for so long and am now a you know devotee of unschooling. <laughs> um, so I I was one of those people who I, I did always enjoy school, but I really came alive in college. I just remember this feeling of expansiveness and. I can take any class I want. I can learn about genetics and the philosophy of religion and just all these things. Um, I didn't take a major that first year in my undergraduate work. And so it was at that time that I just decided, basically, this is the life. This is too amazing. You know, having this flexible schedule, I was able to sort of exercise and socialize and pick courses at times that worked for me. So it was, it was actually... 20 years ago now that I, that I made that, it wasn't so much that I made a goal for myself, but it just, I, it sort of infused into my psyche that I was going to get a PhD and become a professor. And it it was on the back burner though, for several years, it wasn't a straight path. Dan and I traveled quite a bit after we graduated from college and had jobs in interesting, weird places. Um, But then I landed at Gallaudet University in Washington, D.C., in their campus design and planning department. So I was there actually taking a master's course, then ended up working in this place where I was learning all about urban planning and how cities work and how decisions are made. And just as I dove headlong into unschooling more recently, urban planning was it. That was all I wanted to talk about, all I wanted to read about. And so that led me to the University of Virginia School of Architecture where I was, it, the program title is actually the constructed environment was, is my, is my actual degree, but I was focusing and studying with the urban planning department there. Um, and when I started or, or on the way there, I was still quite sure that being a professor was, that was the plan. Um, but I also had both of my kids. I gave birth to both kids during very clearly during the timeline of that program And it was so interesting because both things that were happening for me at the same time were incredibly transformational. So becoming a parent, as we kind of already discussed, physically, emotionally, mentally, completely changed me as a person, or maybe not changed, but deepened and strengthened and um, helped me just become, frankly, less selfish and more, uh, you know, a different person than I was before I became a parent. So there was this incredible transformation happening for me at home. But the process of getting the PhD was also like a process of unlearning or relearning that everything is constructed. All of our knowledge, all of these ideas that we have today came from somewhere. And every fact is inherently flawed. And every, you know, way that we construct and create knowledge is all, you know, because I was constructing and creating knowledge myself through the process of doing this intense research, but then having to make these choices. What methods am I going to use? Which population am I I going to study? Which archives am I going to go to? So 
every step along the way of getting this degree and, and creating this work, this dissertation, the whole process was then recognizing that, oh, wait, if I'm creating knowledge, that means every other piece of knowledge in the universe is also created. So then also at the same time, discovering unschooling along the way, it just, now that I've had at least a little bit of time to take a breath, it's interesting to just imagine how transformative all of that was and how there was a sort of feedback loop between this, you know, transformation of my home life and, and learning then from these little people about living and life and what all that means. But then at the same time, you know, having this amazing support in these people critiquing and helping me refine my arguments to the point where, you know, it all sort of, it it seems at face value, like unschooling and and school, you know, there is, they're not combining or making sense together, but in another way, it's, it was all the same, you know, like I was learning that same message or that same idea about, unlearning or, you know, reconstructing my idea of what it means to learn and to teach in particular. Um, So I do think that I still could imagine academia in my future, but at the moment it feels so dissonant, you know, because I did teach in the program and I absolutely loved it. I love the students. I loved the being in the class and having that, but right now in my life, it feels too dissonant to to sort of have a curriculum and have things that I'm going to teach. So it'll be interesting to see how, you know, what happens next and how, where I end up going or what age, maybe even what age group I end up landing with someday. Um, because it all, as I mentioned, has been a kind of feedback loop, but then it also, there are times then when it, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> so it's still an ongoing thing. I'm still kind of trying to figure it out myself. I love the way you described it because you were bringing yourself to that program, right? When you talk about the lenses through which like that you realize how people construct knowledge, like I imagine there were other people, you know, doing um, PhD programs in the same or similar topics who were not picking up those pieces. Like they weren't taking away those same kind. That is what's so beautiful about us, as unique beings, like we're taking away the things that connect with us. And, you know, once you get up at the college level, for the most part, you're choosing to be there. Like you chose to be in that program, right? You are, were interested and so curious about the topic. And it's like being a kid in the candy store when you, I get, this is like permission for me to focus on this thing that I love. And to spend the time doing all this research, like, I feel like so often in our society, we need that permission piece to allow us to do that. Whereas for our kids, we're trying to cultivate, no, it's fun. It's cool. Dive as deep as you like, right? Like you were saying, there are so many parallels when you, when you have choice in there. And, you know, that speaks to our question. We talk a lot about our kids going to college, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not a, a yes, no thing. Like for me, it's not about, yes, you have to go to college or no, we're unschooling. You shouldn't go to college. Like it's (laughs) not, it's back to the individual, right? And it's back to what are you interested in? What do you want to dive into? Is that an environment that's going to thrive for you? You know, that's going to make your eyes light up. That's going to make your heart sing. And sure, like no path is perfect. 
right? There are going to be some pieces, maybe a course that you have to take that's not particularly interesting. Same as somebody else, like, you know, Lizzie in making that choice, chose to go check out New York and she found her community and that's where she thrived. Doesn't mean there weren't problems with finding apartments or getting visa approvals, you know, nothing simple or easy, but it's when it's your choice and you're really committed and excited about it, you do the things, you know, and that speaks back to when you're going through that paradigm shift about how kids learn that we were talking about earlier our kids, it's so fascinating to see people always worry with unschooling that kids won't do the hard things unless you make them do the hard things. Mm-hmm. But when you're doing the things that you're so interested in, you like put up with the hard things. Like, like Cody was thinking about, well, next time I can do this and I can figure out this and it would work out a little better if I did this. You know, it's not about avoiding hard things at all. It's about um, cultivating that interest in pursuing what they're interested in. And when you're that excited about it, you will move through the hard things, right? Because you want, you want to get to that point, point beyond that hard thing, right? It's worth the effort or something that's really hard to figure out. Even when you're frustrated, you'll keep at it. I imagine there were points where you got frustrated, (laughs) you know, on your journey through that program, you know, but you persevered. And again, you know, going back to the whole, you know, making choices, like it would be okay if you know what, if you hit a point where it's no longer worth your energy to get through that frustrating moment or whatever, and you decide to change your path, that's okay, too, because you have learned so much, not only about the thing, right, the program or the 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 whatever the interest is to that point, you've just learned so much about yourself that you know what, what I was thinking I was going to get out of that is not worth what I'm putting into it. That is just so much great knowledge to take with you moving forward. It's like, I really like this piece and this piece, that piece, not so much. And so now you're looking for where can I get more of this kind of thing and this kind of thing without that kind of thing, which is what you're talking about, that dissonance that you're feeling right now, you know, and how you're living your life right now. And you can't really imagine, you can't yet see how that might weave together with yourself teaching. But, you know, there are unschooling parents who who are teachers as well. You know, it's not so much we like the black and white, the either are, the this or that. And so much life really isn't like that. There are aspects of things that are really, really fascinating and that just speak to us and resonate with us. And we just want to do more of those things. And we can take the baby step towards those things. You know what? Maybe Maybe if you're like tutoring or, you know, whatever, just putting your name out there to help people in in the, there's just so many possibilities. It's not yes, no professor. You know, you can find the pieces that really excite you and find ways to bring more of that in. It's just, it's so fascinating to see people's paths and how they unfold, which is why we talk about, I love the journey metaphor for this whole (laughs) thing, right? Because It is unique to each of us and it is about finding and exploring who we are and who we want to be and just bringing more pieces of that into our world. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, another story I would love to hear is the one behind your Instagram account. You go by on Instagram as Snackplate Mama, and I love following you. I love seeing some of the really fascinating plates that you share. So I'd love to hear the story behind that. So when this must have been when Cody, I can't remember, early 2018, whatever the ages were, I was part of this, I think it was called like a gentle parenting group on social media. And a woman in the group asked a question about food and how to get her kids to eat breakfast before leaving the house to go to school. Well, Pam, (laughs) I answered innocently steeped. I'd spent a year just immersed in all these unschooling ideas. So I answered, you know, very, very kindly with all these options and ideas. Could they take food with them in the car? You know, what, what about this? What about that? Just sort of responding, not with the word unschooling, but like responding with this very positive generative energy. And I was met with a response from her and some others that was so jarring to me. It was like I had been so immersed in this world of treating children with respect and thinking of creative ideas that I had forgotten. Oh, shoot, that's not how everyone is thinking right now. So essentially the response was no to any kind of creative ideas. And like there was a very firm, in this particular person's case, um, a very firm idea of exactly what, where, and when the kids needed to eat. And this wasn't a person that I knew personally, and I I, I don't now either. Um, So at that time, I had also recently read Kids, Carrots, and Candy, uh, this amazing book about, you know, respecting and honoring every person, but particularly kids own innate sense of the foods that feel good to them and what they want to eat when and how. And so I had already started, you know, making these little plates, but that little interaction with this person in this group really stuck with me. And to this day, it's something that I, I, I sort of just wanted to share a different orientation, a different way of thinking without beating anyone over the head, but just, I thought, wouldn't it be fun to just share these snack plates, which for me, you know, no, not, not, it's not something that I have on the Instagram. Like people don't read the story about that thing that happened, but it's just gently sharing a different orientation or a different approach. But what's interesting is through that process of making these snack plates, they, there's two things that have happened. First, they've become this really, really valuable communication tool between the kids and I. So I don't, make these plates and say, you must eat them. I make them, I I will lovingly craft them out of foods, I think, based on prior knowledge that that child will enjoy. So sometimes I'll make two of the same, but often they're very different. You know, one plate for Nora and one plate for Cody. And there will be times when Cody especially will eat one of the things on the plate and then say, I want a whole plate of that thing. So there's never an exchange of like, I will ask, are you hungry often, but I won't, you know, it won't be like, what do you want to eat? You know, like the, the, that, that sort of back and forth of like, Ugh, you know, like trying to think of what you want to eat, but the, the plate becomes a tool in which they then tell me, Cody will say, or Nora will say, I want more of this thing. So then I come back and bring the new plate. That's not diverse, but just has that thing. But at the same time, it's also, I, I didn't mention this, but I've also always loved photography. Um, And so taking these different foods and textures and colors and placing them on the plate, it's like a little piece of joy for me to do that. And to, I I sort of, I I infuse love and, and excitement into the plate, 
but it's also for me at the same time because I, um, I love seeing how I can arrange them. I don't have time to pursue a lot of my creative interests, but I have time always, every day, to make these little plates and then to take a well-lit, so mostly well-lit, photograph and, and just share it with my friends in the world. Um, so I found that that is one little thing that obviously it's very important to me and my kids and how I'm feeding them, but it's also become a special little moment of every day when I am expressing myself creatively in a small way, but in a way that I found can be really light and lovely. So that's, that's how it all began. (laughs) I love that, that you've realized like that creative piece for you, right? Again, it's moving past an expectation that we might be putting on ourselves and realizing why we're choosing it, right? Right there. And then once we realize we're choosing it, then we so often we see the other pieces that are actually joyful for us. Like I can realize, yes, I'm choosing to do this because, you know, I want to help my kids. Um, with, I want to give them food. I want to give them a variety of food. So they, I love the idea that you're, that you're helping without words because putting somebody on the spot and saying, what do you want to eat? Right. Even as an adult, that can be hard. <laughs> so if you've got a few choices, in front of you. And as you mentioned, their choices that you think they would like based on knowing them, not choices that I wish they would eat these things. Totally different lens that you're putting on it. But then they can also through that they discover, oh, look, this one is really good right now. And I'd like more of that. So just think about how much they're learning about themselves right in that moment. Like in that situation, I'm feeling this way. This is what is satiating me in this moment. And that's more information that they bring with them, that they learn over time, right? So there is just in that non, no need for communication piece, there's still so much learning going in there. Like you're learning about them because you learn what more often they seem to want more of and you be sure to put that on the plate. So they see that as an option and they're learning more about who I tried a bite of this, you know, this grape and that's not feeling good for me right now. I'm going to try this cheese or this chocolate or whatever. And Ooh, that's hitting the spot right now. Like that, it is just so beautiful there. So that's the piece where it's like, okay, I'm choosing to do this because there's so many great outcomes from this. And then about it. Oh, go ahead. No, no, you go. I've never thought about it before. It is almost a form of research and data gathering, which is something that I also desperately love. And so (laughs) now when part of the research is if three of the items are gone and one is still there, we don't, we don't serve that one again. Um, But like, I know now I would not put pistachios on Nora's plate and I would not put avocado on Cody. So like, there's just, there's little, little data points that are gathering over time that then I can you know, make it all work and make sense, which is fun. It's fun to think of it as not just aesthetic and nourishing, but then also a little research project. (laughs) Well, see, and you know, that's my data information mine too. That's what jumped out at me. (laughs) (laughs) Then the next layer, you know, we're always talking about how there's more layers to learn and there's more, more deeply or deeper that we can go in everything. But yeah, getting to the point where, oh my, I'm having fun doing this, right? So I had all the reasons I wanted to do this. Now, 
all of a sudden I'm discovering I'm getting stuff out of doing this as well. It's tickling my creative bone because you know what mm-hmm. I get. They probably don't care in what order the things are there on the plate. But you know what? I have so much fun arranging it so that, you know, this color complements this color or, you know, this texture doesn't touch this texture. And the photography piece, you know, just making a little bit pretty and sharing it. Like you said, sharing it without any judgment or, you know, without a big story. It's just planting seeds, right? Planting seeds for other people who come across it. They are inspiring. Like when they come through in my feed, it's, I stop and look and go, oh, and, and, you know, I take them, would I fancy that? Would I fancy that? <laughs> There's just so much that's wrapped up in that little piece. I love that. I'm very excited. I asked about that. <laughs> we have a sort of snack plate culture in our house too. A couple of weeks ago, completely unbeknownst to me, my husband, Dan made me a snack plate. And my heart almost exploded with joy because it was every food I love, you know, like slices of apples and a little bit of chocolate. And just, it was the sweetest thing that he made me a snack plate. And that was just a good reminder, a good reinforcement of it. It really can feel like love when someone knows what you love and puts it all together on a little plate. (laughs) Right. Don't you feel so seen? In that moment, like, oh, they know who I am. You know, yeah. they know these pieces. That That is so cool. So I would love to hear what is something that you guys have done maybe recently, <laughs> um, depending on the pandemic restrictions, et cetera, but something that you've done that you feel you probably wouldn't have done before finding unschooling. So this is not necessarily something immediately recently, but over the last almost two years. So when we moved to Maryland, we were actually moving back home. We're both from the the Maryland area, you know, different parts of Maryland. And I have always loved Frederick, but a part of why I love Frederick, to be totally honest, is that our families live nearby. (laughs) I just, I love living, you know, being close enough to my parents and my brother and Dan's family as well, so that we can have relationships with them. So it's been almost two years now that we've been close. We're only about 20 minutes from my parents. So what I've been really enjoying or what I've been noticing is that this time that we've had for the kids in particular to be able to develop relationships with the family that live nearby. Um, The most examples I have are my parents because they're the closest, but we've also had amazing time to interact with our niece who lives not too far away. And it is magical just to see the kids play together and how much they enjoy that. Um, But my parents have flexible schedules. Um, They both work, but they they don't have nine to five jobs. So they'll come over, let's say, you know, once a week or so. And my dad is a storyteller. And when I was a child, he actually used to come into my classes in elementary school and tell stories to the kids. And they would get so excited for him to come. Fairy tales and made up stories and Um, fables and all sorts of things. So now he's telling stories to my kids and it is so fun. It is just, you know, he'll, they'll, they'll sit, you know, wrapped with attention, you know, what's he going to say next? And my dad is also uh, very into technology. So he has a VR system, like a little headset. So when we go to their house, he and Cody will jam with the VR. My dad will show them what's new and they'll play with that. 
Um, and then my mom is definitely an artist at heart. So she and Nora, almost every time we see them, will make art together, whatever that might be. My parents also just, they're the type of people that really get on the floor and get interested and involved in whatever the kids are up to. So it's just been so fun to in, to immerse ourselves in this just imagining if we weren't on schooling, it would be more occasional. We would be seeing them once in a while. We'd probably all be a lot more tired. Um, and so that's just been really neat to see. Oh, I wanted to mention too, that both my parents have now signed up for Roblox accounts. So they're both able to play with Cody on Roblox, which is just so neat. Um, and, but anyway, it's just been for me and I observed for the kids as well. So fun that we have the time to be developing these relationships, not every day, but over time and, and very incidentally. So they come for the good and the bad, you know, there will be moments that aren't pretty, but um, overall just that time and the flexibility to know these people who love the kids so much and vice versa is such an amazing benefit of, of unschooling and, and having that proximity and the flexibility is, um, I think it's something that I will always, always cherish for sure. Oh, that's wonderful, Julia. And there were so many pieces that tied in with that, right? You're choosing where you and Dan choosing where you wanted to um, move to, right? And considering the unschooling stuff, obviously considering proximity to family, <laughs> The, the piece where you don't have to um, weave your lives around a school schedule, right? So that you have the freedom to meet up when it works best for people. And when people, you can, choice can be in there so much versus when it's like, okay, Saturday and Sunday are our only choices, you know? And so you have to kind of make it work when that could be a time when they're really busy with other things, et cetera. Like it's, it's really about the freedom to engage in those relationships on your own timetable. Right. Wow. That's so beautiful. I love that so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me, Julie. It was so much fun. It was such a pleasure, Pam, that the time flew by. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. It, it really does. I love hearing people's stories and perspectives. And thank you so much for sharing your ideas and your lenses are so fascinating. And I, I love how, um, you know, well, you know, your kids and that that really brings a richness to your story. So thank you so much. <laughs> And before we go, where can people connect with you online? Is Instagram probably the best place? Yeah, definitely Instagram, Snack Plate Mama. But if they really want to connect, definitely the Living Joyfully Network would be oh. the place to do that for sure. Because that's where I spend my, I don't have a lot of time, but where I'm spending any of my <laughs> free time these days is on the network. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Thanks so much, Julia. Have a wonderful day. You too, Pam. Bye. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the wonderful archive of earlier podcast episodes. The conversations never go out of date. And you can find more information about my books, my Patreon community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit at my website, livingjoyfully.ca. Have a great day.